Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your humble correspondent, John Ross, Marcus Cox, coming back at you with the Way Too Much Jerry MC podcast. How's everybody doing today? For those of y'all living in Church County, Kentucky, I hope y'all's kids made it to and fro to and from school uh, safely or uh, is en route to a safe <coughs> trip home. Today, I want to talk talk to y'all a little bit about. Uh, some stuff that's recently been in the news in regards to our Republican gubernatorial candidate, uh, Daniel Cameron. Currently, our Attorney General from a county, you know, right over next, uh, that's right next to where I live right now, a couple miles down the road. Old dude was the first Republican Attorney General in Kentucky since 1943. <laughs> 1943. So, obviously, the first black Kentucky Attorney General. Definitely the one that was the first one that was that was Republican, but he's been under scrutiny the last you know ever, pretty much ever since he announced his candidacy. The Democrats have been coming at him with every every type of allegation under the sun. Well, the other day I was you know thumbing through Twitter or whatever, and I see this one pop up says the sex harass scandal inside a rising GOP star's office. First of all, I don't know what sex harass is. Um. But it says, employees in Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron's office allege a hostile, cruel, and demeaning workplace, and Cameron doesn't seem to be doing much about it. So I want to preface this conversation with this. First of all, number one, I myself have been terminated from a job before and went through a lengthy review type process where I, where I fought against it and Feel like I pleaded a very like a very good case, and honestly, like when I lost, when I ended up losing the job, I didn't even care anymore because I felt like I did everything I possibly could do. But I'm also coming from a background where my mom's a teacher, my stepdad's a coal miner, so like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, John Ross Marks Cox ain't, isn't some big business employer lover. All right, I don't I don't believe that employers should be able to make you get. Uh, Tova jabs or any jabs for that matter. I believe that employers should have to provide everyone with a reason, with a documented reason on paper as to why they were firing them. Even if it was just, hey, listen, I'm a small business and I'm running out of money and therefore I'm having to let you go in order to not go bankrupt. I mean, just something as simple as that. So when you go to get another job, you at least can say it wasn't, it wasn't due to anything I had done. I know employers, railroad railroad employees, okay? I also know that employees sometimes are absolutely unreliable and difficult to deal with, and you regret hiring them the, day, the, the second that you do hire them. So, like, but I, the main thing I want to preface this, this whole conversation with is this, is that, like, I'm not the Republican out here that believes that business and employers deserve all of the benefit of the doubt and should have all the rights over the employee. Actually, they're almost to the, con- to the contrary of that. And so I'm telling you that because the, whenever I'm going through this story and I'm being critical, I don't want you to think it's because I'm some, I'm some Republican country club shield that's trying to like protect big, big employers, because I'm not. Like, I feel like what we're dealing with here is a, you know, is honestly a, cultural difference between the Democratic and Republican Party and the ethos around work and what gives people meaning and all, all that good stuff. Um, I also think before we talk about this story, it is important to remember that our current governor, Governor Andy Beshear, occupied the Attorney General's office prior to, prior to 2019, from 2015 through 2019, whenever Cameron took office. And again, it had been in Democrat control since 1943. So we're talking about a deep state, you know, an administrative department that had been being filled with Democrat-leaning, liberal-leaning individuals, literally for two lifetimes. Okay, so let's 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 dig into this here. So. As, as Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron runs for governor, his office is fielding serious employee complaints describing hostile, cruel, threatening, and demeaning treatment from senior officials under the Republican purview. 
including allegations that one unit director took zoomed-in photos of a detective's breast. So I'm also going to call it the, the author of this article and call it all the people that have been reposting it on social media. I'm going to call him out for, I mean, this is journalistic, you know, malfeasance or whatever. I mean, he's not, there's no, he's not showing any journalistic integrity here. I mean, as we read this article, you're going to see that the title is The Sex Harass Scandal Inside a Rising GP Star Office. This isn't about a sexual harassment scandal. That's literally the only, that's literally the only claim being made in, in the entire article and the entire thing is that those allegations that one unit director took a zoomed-in photo of a detective's breast. Now, again, I'm not, right now, I'm not immediately defending that and saying that's okay. I'm just saying that in a seven-page article, five-page article, that's the seven words that are that's pertaining to sexual harassment allegations. While multiple employees have allegedly quit under these conditions, Cameron's office has taken little, if any, action in response to the complaints, which the Daily Beast received from a public records request. The one outlier appears to have been the case of the inappropriate photos in which an investigation found in February that the woman's supervisor should be reprimanded for public intoxication. The office investigated her claims but appears to have taken no action on the other six allegations. So this sex harass scandal, they're labeling this, labeling that way in this article, is dealing with a zoomed-in photo of a detective's breast, a complaint being filed, a complaint being addressed, and the supervisor being reprimanded. The woman who brought that complaint, an active-duty detective employed, employed in the Office of the Attorney General, the OAG, is suing Cameron in his office for employment discrimination, hostile work conditions, and workers' compensation retaliation, according to filings in Franklin County, Franklin County District Court. Okay, so you'll notice in, that, in, this, in the complaint in court, there's actually no... There's actually no claim to the sexual harassment allegations in it. The full scope of the allegations, which range from early 2020 to this May. Okay, so again, let's remember this. The article saying it's a sexual harassment scandal. They haven't put the sexual harassment in in this in this in the suit filed in. Kentucky's Franklin County District Court, which is the most liberal court in the state. And as we'll find out here in a minute, the person filing this was a was a carry was a rollover from the previous administration. The full scope of the allegations was ranged from early 2020 this May to describe a work environment in which a number of employees have felt, felt, intimidated and belittled by their superiors to such an extent that they lodged official complaints. Okay, so let's remember this now. Went from a Democrat administration to a Republican administration. We've got employees that have probably been resting on their laurels for years and years and have gotten accustomed to the the democratic culture of exceptions being granted and employees being allowed to be lackadaisical. And, I mean, we saw what, ha- what, what went on with the Department of Un- Unemployment Insurance during COVID. I mean, they didn't even want to come back in. They weren't wanting to work at all. Um. And we're going to get into that here in, here in just a few minutes because once we, once we put some perspective around this complaint, the complaints allege a work environment that has led to multiple resignations, including among attorneys and two top Cameron officials, Deputy AG Vic Maddox, this thing's going to come up a lot, and Deputy Solicitor General for Criminal Appeals Jeffrey Cross. So Cross and Maddox are the two people that are going to be accused of routine and mistreatment throughout this article. Okay, so we got Deputy AG Vic Maddox and then Solicitor General, De- Deputy Solicitor General for Criminal Appeals, Jeffrey Cross. It is relentless, one, one attorney wrote of Cross, allegedly abusive behavior. As Cameron seeks Kentucky's top government position, the allegations paint a troubling picture of an office out of control, streaked with fear and suspicion, where workers are routinely degraded and supervisors not only ignore the complaints, but are often at the center of them. One complaint submitted by an attorney in Cameron's office noted that Cross treated workers in a demeaning, unprofessional manner 
and would pit employees against each other, sowing internal mistrust. Cross's tactics, this attorney claimed, had caused numerous attorneys and administrative staff members to resign or retire. A separate complaint, which the OAG, then communications director, filed against Maddox this spring, cites gender discrimination against women, conflicts with another top official, sabotage of official duties, and threatening, intimidating, and humiliating behavior. Threatening, hum intimidating, humiliating behavior. I think those are key words because, I mean, we're talking about terms that have a lot of subjectivity to them and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of their own, a lot of people's own opinions and feelings and all that are being brought into that. The, detail the Daily Beast sent detailed comment requests to communications officials with Cameron's office and his campaign, then followed up on those requests. The campaign never replied. But an OAG spokesperson provided a statement declaring the office's utmost respect for its employees and claiming the office's investigation found the complaints lacked merit. <clears throat> it goes on to say, when a complaint is filed, the office investigates the matter and takes action when warranted. Every employee is also aware of the process for filing complaints with the personnel cabinet. We take these matters seriously and address them appropriately, the statement said. The personnel cabinet, which would be, so if you file a cabinet, if you, I mean, you file a complaint with your own supervisor, within the AG's office, and it does you don't get the resolution you want, you could take it the next step up to the personnel cabinet, and I, with a quick Google search, it's super simple. I literally, I could, I downloaded the complaint form on, right here, I could have printed it off and filled it out myself. But this, this personal personnel cabinet is made up of seven board members. Five are appointed by the governor himself, so five are, for sure, Democratic, leaning minds and then two elected merit two elected people that are elected by merit-based employees themselves so they're elected by what merit-based employees basically means people that uh that are state employees and that are uh hired and advanced based on merit and not uh So not just people that are that are automatically put in by the people that are elected and are and are appointed, not that type of thing. Once you're hired, I think you kind of got some rights in there. As far as you can't just be dismissed because oh, the Republicans in now, we're firing all the Democrats. It's not one of those deals. So those people are hard to get rid of. It's like a teacher or a cop or whatever. They're I mean they're in they're in the system. So but at this point in time, all seven of them are going to lean towards the employee over the Republican-led Attorney General's office. Here, the office investigated the complaints and found that the first three complaints mentioned lack merit. Regarding the fourth complaint, a reprimand was issued. The statement included referencing the reprimand for public intoxication. So again, it sounds like they were out drinking and... Old girl's boobies was hanging out. Old dude had some had some had some beer, and when she was on the dance floor, he pulled his phone out, zoomed in on her boobs, and took a shot, took a took a picture of it. And so he was drunk in public, so they cited him for it. But again, like, is that sexual harassment? Cameron, who was elected an AG to elect, who was elected AG in twenty nineteen, is running to unseat. Andy Bashir and what's possibly the most watched gubernatorial race of the year. That's why it's all, that's why they're coming out with everything they got, guns a blazing. The campaign has quickly turned ugly as both candidates have come under fire for alleged ethical breaches in relation to campaign donations, with Cameron's multiple alleged conflicts squarely centered on his official duties. Former Kentucky Attorney General Greg Stumbo, this is funny. I want everybody to go back and I want you to Google Operation Bop Trot in the nineties of which Greg Stumbo was directly at the center of. So it's hilarious that they're using him as like their source and their person to make statements on this. I mean, they literally could have gotten any, anybody else off the street and the statements would have been more, would have been, uh, would have carried more weight. Bob Trot, could, they could make a Netflix or Hulu needs to be calling and trying to get the rights on telling that story because it's, it's so crazy. But he, Greg Stumble went on to say that his office had never received complaints of this nature. But if he had, they would have been taken. They would have taken swift action. Yeah, it's because you were getting other complaints filed against you, taking them all the time. 
Those kinds of complaints, harassment, intimidating behavior, they have to raise concerns, Stumbo said. If you don't manage it properly, the stuff spreads like wildfire. I've seen it in my private capacity. Stumbo explained that, like the Federal Justice Department, the Kentucky OAG employs a battalion of career officials or merit employees in addition to the political appointees in front office leadership positions, which Cameron's responsible for. So all these merit-based employees... It's a battalion. This is a, a previous Democratic, Democratic AG saying that they have a battalion of career officials, merit-based merit employees that are in Kentucky OAG's office and have been being hired by Democrats since 1943. So none of them like the Republican, Daniel Cameron. And all the complaints are coming from merit-based employees, that are that were hired by Democrats against the few Republican appointees that were that were appointed by Daniel Cameron when he was elected in 2019. Are we, do we see do we see a trend here? The front stumble goes on to say the front office sets the standard. You can't blame the you can't blame the AG directly for the individual conduct, but he has to manage his responsibility how he chooses to react to those problems. The front office sets the tone. Okay, I, I'm out. Wouldn't agree with that. But according to the complaints, the tone in Cameron's office isn't fair for everybody or even humane. All right, so I can already I can already tell you right now we who, this person that wrote this article and me we definitely have different different. Uh, Subjective opinions on what inhumane is. All right, like this person would also, for those of y'all listening to play competitive sports, this is the same type of person that I guarantee you, if they heard eighty, per, if they heard five percent of the conversations that go on, like in a football locker room, especially once you get to high school, college, and especially pros, would be absolutely appalled, and would be ready to file every type of lawsuit possible from racially charged rhetoric to sexually charged like rhetoric. They'd be, they'd be trying to file everything because, again, they just they don't know. It's just a different culture, you know. For instance, the complaint that led to the lawsuit this year alleged that the director of the OAG's cyber crimes unit had committed a number of workplace violations, including immoral conduct, okay, who decides that? I mean, use of intoxicants off-duty. Okay, we're talking off-duty. I mean, like, what can they do? I mean, they, what can they do? Drug test them? And he's passing it? Are they trying to? Are they trying to get people fired for smoking weed? Even though Democrats are trying to get weed legalized at, at all times, and even for recreational purposes, and capturing zoomed-in photos of a detective's breast. I didn't see anything. There's nothing in the lawsuit. because We're, we're going to go through that in a little while as well. But again, the use of intoxicants off-duty, I mean, if it's a slippery slope. You start firing people because they're, because they're alcoholics, but they're, I mean, are they performing their job duties or not? Other than if they're, doing, if they're, per, if they're actively drunk or actively high while they're on duty, I don't really know what, what much they can, what, how much they can do about that. Conduct that he has been engaging in has been slowly escalating to the point that I am fearful of physical violence. The detective wrote in her complaint, claiming her supervisor's behavior mimicked those of an abuser in a domestic violence situation. Okay, well, the domestic violence, I mean, I know domestic violence isn't just physical, but you'd think there'd be some kind of, there'd need to be some kind of physical physicality involved before you can actually try and say you're, fear, you're fearful of your physical safety. Cameron's office, however, did not take action on the allegations, only finding that the supervisor should be reprimanded for public intoxication and, and instructed on expectations moving forward. It's unclear if he was. It is clear, however, that his accuser was unhappy with that result. Her allegations appear alongside others in an amended complaint that detective filed against Cameron in the Commonwealth of Kentucky in Franklin County this, year, this January. This case is definitely ongoing, and we do not intend to dismiss it. The detective's, the detective's attorney, Jonathan Kurtz, of the Spencer Law Group, told Daily Beast, Crystal Daily Beast that the lawsuit alleges Cameron's office engaged in acts of discrimination against her because of her status as parent of a child with a disability, along with her own physical conditions for which she had accommodations taken away. And we're going to talk about all this. 
The Daily Beast obtained copies of the complaint, as well as Cameron and his office's response and motion to dismiss. The detective has been relegated to desk work, and her, and her supervisor is still employed with the office. This summer, the supervisor received a state-mandated 6% pay raise, according to publicly available salary information. Okay, they're acting like that's there's what would have been discriminatory is if they didn't give someone a 6% pay raise because of job performance when it was a state-mandated across-the-board 6% pay raise regardless of job performance. Like, you literally only have to be in the job at that time to get the raise. I mean, she received the raise as well. It was universal for all state employees. So I, I I don't even understand what what she's trying to say there. Or do you want do you want them to uh, disobey the laws and not give him the raise because you because you were you felt bad? Yes, that's exactly what she wanted done because that's Democrats li- literally think that everybody has the ability to decide whether to follow the laws. Just just look at our recently passed education law and how school boards are deciding they're voting if they're going to adhere to it or not. It makes no sense. The other complaints, however, allege abusive and toxic behavior much higher up the food chain. The director of my division, Jeff Cross, is constantly engaging in hostile, cruel, unprofessional, and bullying behavior to everyone in our division. Everyone. Read a complaint from March 2021 singling out the former assistant AG who Cameron later named as Deputy Solicitor General for Criminal Appeals. He is bullying and intimidating everyone in the office, attorneys, admin staff, supervisors, everyone. So, attorneys, admin, supervisors, everyone. What they're saying is everybody that was there before they got there. Everybody that doesn't like anybody with uh, that is knowingly a Republican. So the Democrats are just, they're, they're mad. They're mad that their guy lost. The complaint stated describing Cross as condescending and, condescending and insulting and claiming he had used information about personal struggles in criticizing other employees. So here's what I'll say about that. I, do, I, I don't think it's right to base a decision in, of employment solely on information that you find out from someone's personal life. However, I don't think it's possible because of human nature to receive information and know information that helps put things into context and then not apply them to your decision-making process. So again, do I think you should... If you know somebody smoking weed while they're while they're off duty, I absolutely don't think you should be a fire them for that, even though weed's illegal. However, if you are a in law enforcement or a teacher working with children or whatever, and it comes starts being come to find out that you are engaging in that type of behavior while you're work while while you're on the while you're on the job, and it's also a problem when you're outside of your place of employment and you're also engaging in even more recreational, scary, hardcore drugs, I don't see how you don't take that into account once you find it out. He has made several people, including myself, cry hysterically and seek mental health assistance to deal with the toxic and hostile work environment. The complaint alleged, noting that the behavior had been ongoing since Cross assumed the supervisory role in early 2020 and that several people have quit over his abuse. Noting the behavior had been ongoing since Cross assumed the supervisory role in early 2020. So when their Democrat supervisor was appointed by a Democrat, was either moved in a different position or something was, you know, they were able to let him go and they filled it with a Republican that's you know, probably a little more hard nose. Let's be honest. Probably a little more no nonsense. Since they lost the, the 
boss that would let him get away with whatever the hell he wanted to do. Several people have quit over the so-called abuse. But listen, this is how it works. His boss hired him, and unless he's doing something illegal, his boss is obviously thinking that his quirks are worth putting up with. And that him, even with his quirks, is more valuable in that role than you are in yours. That's how it works. Even when I tried to take responsibility and apologize for my writing not being of good, good enough quality because I was in tears and wanted it to be over with, he told me that wasn't good enough. Okay, so basically he said the apology doesn't matter if your work still sucks. If your work isn't improving, give a damn how, how, like, how sorry you are. It was so bad that my direct supervisor, who was attending the meeting, checked on me afterward and told me it was brutal and he almost cried with me. So homeboy is probably a carryover from the previous administration. I, I'm just, I'd love to know the dynamic <clears throat> in that relationship. <clears throat> I'm following this report after reading news articles about Lashana Harris. That, com that complaint began citing the Bashir-appointed Kentucky Juvenile Justice Commissioner who was fired in March 2021. So they were, they, they were intellectually honest there and uh, told about someone who was fired from the Bashir that someone had, Bashir had appointed. The details of her office are uncannily familiar. The terms bullied and creating a toxic workplace particularly resonated. He yells. He uses belittling language. The complaint said someone is his target every few days. When it's me, I just try to think that I'm taking the heat off someone else. The complaint accuses Cross of behaving in a demeaning and professional manner that has created an environment in which people are afraid and led to a mass exodus of staff. Numerous attorneys and admin staff members have resigned or retired. The situation is unsustainable both by attorneys and administrative staff. Okay, but guess what? That's not your concern. If it is unsustainable and everybody quits, guess who's going to be on the hook for that? The head honcho, Daniel Cameron. So that's how accountability works. You're at the bottom of the totem pole. You don't get to make those decisions. And we're about to find out here in a little while. The more, a little more about some of these employees and what they're, what they're actually complaining about. Mr. Cross has pressured attorneys into answering questions about, about our coworkers, promising that the conversations were confidential, the complaint claimed. Then he betrayed that confidence in an apparent attempt to pit coworkers against each other. As a result, we don't trust our colleagues. Okay, so that's a complaint about them, about what the boss is doing. But again, once somebody has the information, how do they not use it? So you're mad that you went in there gossiping, probably trying to like gain favor with your boss. You went in there snitched, and then you got found out to be a snitch. And snitches get the reputation that snitches get. <clears throat> you should have said, I ain't I'm not, man, I'm, I don't feel comfortable doing that against, I don't, feel, I don't feel comfortable talking about my colleagues like that. And then you may have a legit a legit claim for discrimination if you think you're fired because you wouldn't snitch on your employees and that's an honorable reason to get fired and I, I, I'll, I'll ride with you for that. <clears throat> the office investigated the complaints but found that the allegations were not substantiated. Cross, that, repor that report said, is direct in his communication an approach that makes some staff uncomfortable. I'm going to say it straight up right now. I am the same way in my communication style, and I get this from time to time as well. There's there's certain people that just cannot handle how direct I am in my communication and how honest I am, even about my own shortcomings. Because I got a real redneck accent. I've been known to use some coarse vocabulary. Again, I tell the damn truth. I don't beat her on the bush. Democrats are not beating her on the bush. <laughs> However, the director's purpose is to improve the quality of the briefs, and some staff acknowledge that he has helped do that. So the personnel cabinet found the report says the director's purpose is to improve the quality of the briefs, and some staff acknowledge he has helped do that. So the reason this person filed the complaint was being reprimanded and downgraded was because the quality of their briefs sucked. 
The report also acknowledged that while six people had left Cross's division for various reasons, none of those departures were the result of the alleged conduct. So again, the people that are doing this review are all employee-favored individuals, pro-employee. And they're saying none of those departures were the result of, alleged, of this alleged conduct. There is no evidence to substantiate the claims of a hostile workplace in the Division of Criminal Appeals the investigation concluded. In May, the then communications director for the OAG submitted a lengthy complaint against Deputy AG Vic Maddox as part of her exit interview. Maddox, the communications, so all the other ones were uh, before were that cross guy. Maddox, the communications official wrote, had been threatening, demeaning, intimidating, humiliating, and highly disrespectful to her and displayed favoritism by promoting men over roles assigned to women. So I'm wanting to know if that, it's like, okay, so are they also trying to claim that they were, the roles are for women? Because if, if they're saying that, then I, you know, I thought men and women weren't any different. Secondly, like, it's all I remember. There was a regime change. Therefore, they were going to put people in places they're going to put their people in the places they wanted to put their people. And you'll see throughout this, nobody's claiming anything about any kind of lower pay or, low, or decreased salary or anything like that. Had been threatening, demeaning, intimidating, humiliating, and highly disrespectful. What that sounds to me like is they, they went from a Democrat, a Democrat uh, management style to a Republican management style. In one incident, Maddox demanded that the communications director send him an already approved press release, which the communications director alleged was at odds with office protocol. He stood in my office and threatened me by stating that if I didn't send him to the release immediately, he was going to walk me down to the AG's office and he would make me send him the release, the complaint stated. When I hesitated, unsure of what to do, he told me to get up out of my chair because he was taking me to the AG's office. And what's the problem? I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think. I mean, I don't give, I don't give a damn about office protocol. Is there a official procedure in writing saying that he couldn't do that? Is it illegal? He just wanted you to send the release to him before you send it to the press. And when you when you when you when you uh, defied the chain of command and your boss tell, uh, telling you giving you a direct order, he said, "All right, get your ass up." We'll go to the boss. The boss boss. And then you did what you probably should have done. And you balked and you sent in the damn press release because you should have done it in the first place. Maddox then allegedly yelled at the communications director who removed herself to avoid any further demeaning, threatening humiliation at the scene was witnessed by many coworkers. When Cameron got the word of the incident, he called her personally. She wrote, he apologized on behalf of Vic and urged me not to quit my job due to this behavior. It's unclear if Cameron took any disciplinary action against Maddox, but Maddox remains the deputy AG. Again, like, without more information, what do you want him to do? Because if he fires somebody for something that isn't technically officially against protocol or isn't illegal or wasn't total subordination... Or, dem or like screaming, cussing at, I mean, like, short of those things, what did you want him, like, what did you want him to do? If he fires, if he fires somebody without cause, he's probably looking at for sure lawsuits because it, it, those won't be subjective. Like a plane also alleges that Maddox sought to take duties from women and hand them instead to men, even if those duties weren't a fit for those men's job descriptions or qualifications. You don't make that decision. What the hell are you talking about? This is a classic example of people not knowing their damn roles, not understanding their place in the in the hierarchy of things. You don't get to decide which person's job descriptions or qualifications are good enough or appropriate for whatever the boss is telling them to do. Now, if the person they were telling them to do was filing a complaint saying, I get, that ain't my job. I'm not that. I... 
I don't see, and I don't see those men complaining. So it sounds to me like they gave the men more work to do, and they didn't say anything about increasing their pay or decreasing hers. So by giving those men more work to do that was below their pay grade, basically, is what she's saying. This was disrespectful to you? How'd those dudes feel? They got... You know why, there's a, why you feel like there's a distrust amongst colleagues? If they're thinking, dude, this chick can't do her damn job, and now I'm getting, having to do more work, and now I'm missing my kids' games, and I'm not getting to go home and see my wife. I, I thought there wasn't gender roles that were more suited, or, or and job qualifications that were more suited for women than men. You can't have it both ways. He explained that another employee had told him that I was overwhelmed and needed help posting which was not the case, and suggested that two men be put in charge of posting, the complaint said. General Cameron said that if that would be helpful for me, he was fine with that. When I discussed this with the Attorney General and expressed my concerns, he told me that he would leave social media management to my discretion. So again, let's add another piece of perspective to this. He's splitting up duties that was with one person to two people. Regardless of it being a man, a woman, or an orangutan, or an elephant, or whatever. An infant. To me, that to me that actually is like, okay, even if he's like kind of a jerk and isn't willing to like say nice things to you, he's basically admitting that maybe you have too much on your plate. Therefore, he's splitting it up and giving it to two people instead of just giving it to one people. And again, your pay hasn't been lowered. But Mattis continued to push, according to the plan, and work to deceive the Attorney General regarding the needs of the communication office to promote two male deputy communications directors with the work that was assigned to a female deputy communications director for digital. Okay, so he, again, he wanted to appoint two people instead of one, and did you lose pay over that or not? The communication director also details a number of other incidents where Maddox allegedly interfered with office protocol, including imposing, interposing himself with the press and sabotaging relationships with the media. During one incident in April, Maddox allegedly withheld critical information from a reporter inquiring about Cameron's recusal from a case. It's already a known fact that there was never a requirement for them to disclose anything specifically to a reporter. This wasn't refusing to disclose it to an official open records request. Open records request. This wasn't in official capacities. She sounds to me like she's mad that she's been able to like leak information to the press and tell the press whatever she wanted to, and now they're trying to get a tight lip on things. And control the flow of communication a little bit better. And now, she, now she's losing her friends because she used to be able to tell them stuff. And now she can't. And she's pissed about it. According to the complaint, after Maddox approved the response, he noted, FYI, the general did recuse himself from this case, but we do not need to disclose that here. So, like, Matt, they're also mad because Maddox, I mean, it's like he did tell them we, that. He did recuse himself from the case, but he made it clear, I didn't have to tell you anything. A week later, the Louisville, the Louisville Courier-Journal reporter, Joe Sanka, inquired about a recusal, and Maddox approved a response confirming that Cameron had removed himself from the case. Okay, so he didn't have, he didn't have to confirm it. He probably had had a conversation with his boss, Daniel Cameron, and Cameron had said, that, I don't want that shit out there yet. So he... When the low-level communications person decided was, was wanting to release it to give her favorite Democrat buddy a scoop, and her boss said, uh-uh, she got her feelings hurt because he told her no straight up and wasn't willing to hear about how her feelings felt about him telling her no. And then they released the information at a later date when they felt like they had their ducks in a row. I mean, Upon reviewing the communication director complaint, the OAG determined that an investigation was necessary. In response to the favoritism allegation, the report found that it is reasonable that supervisors would request cross-training and shared duties among, all staff, among a small staff. Likewise, the allegations of intimidation were unsubstantiated as the, report, as the reported incident was isolated and not a pervasive behavior. 
As for the media allegations, the report found no policy violations, but said that staff have been cautioned regarding media contacts and informed of the requirements outlined in OAG policy. Republicans are sick and tired of the deep state, these career, these career administrative people that are largely Democrat aligned, leaking everything to the press all the time. That's all that is. Okay, he says it's an isolated and not a pervasive behavior. Sounds to me like old dude finally got tired of of this of all the complaining and uh, the bitching and moaning about what she got to do. That he snapped. And the other part is right. Like, there's nothing, it's totally reasonable in a small office for a supervisor to request people sharing duties and help each other out and all that. If you ever worked in a small business, you know that's how it is. You don't really have defined roles. Goes on to say, it's really hard working in a political office. I don't know who to trust. I only know that our division went from a place of positivity where everyone loved our jobs to a place where we're always on the edge and stressed. The attorney wrote in the complaint adding that the productive and successful appellate team was now being called into meetings to be told we are the worst attorneys in the Sixth Circuit. I'm proud of the work we do. It is heartbreaking to see so many people walk away even though they love the actual work we do. The attorney wrote, it is, purpose, it is purposeful. The attorneys added, we want to be able to do it with our hearts again. So, again, they're mad that the office went from a place of all their buddies wearing Democrat. I support all Democrats' stickers and bumper stickers on their cars and was willing to let them take a little bit longer on their lunch break and, you know, have defined duties. And if there was no one there to do that duty, well, we can't do that until we get going. we got to find some else, uh, someone to hire. we got to ask for more funding so we can get that done because we're not going to do anything that we're not supposed, that we're not specifically outlining their job descriptions to do, heaven forbid. They love their job, so now they're always on edge and stress, stressful. Why? Because they're asking, you to do, to, they're asking you to work? That's what I hear from that. And I'm, again, I'm not, empl- I'm not an employer lover. So yes, you can tell, I, 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 I feel like that complaint is all, is all nonsense. Now we're going to jump to another one here. This is a, comes now, the plaintiff is Heather DeHaunt. She's a female resident of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, residing in Scott County. She's, there, she's a detective in the office of the Attorney General of the Commonwealth. Plaintiff has, has been employed by the Attorney General's office since 2017. So she filed this in November 2021. So for two years, she worked for Andy Bashir, And then for the next two years, and all the time she's bitching about, she, worked, she was working for Daniel Cameron. Plaintiff has been employed, yada, yada. The plaintiff is a merit employee of the Commonwealth. Again, merit means that once they're in there, they're hard to get rid of them. And the Attorney General's office has been Democrats since 1943, so it's all Democrats. Keep that in mind. Defender, the defendant, Daniel Cameron, in his capacity of Attorney General of the Commonwealth, is responsible for ensuring compliance of his office with the law of the Commonwealth. The plaintiff is the mother of a child who is defined as a qualified individual with a disability. We're going to have some tough conversations during this segment, so... Go ahead, I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance for hurt feelings, but it is what it is. Somebody's got to say it. The defendant, Attorney General, through his agents, Greg Wolf and Ed Price, have engaged in acts of discrimination against the plaintiff due to her sex, female, and her qualifications as a parent of a child with a disability. The plaintiff also qualifies as a qualified individual with a disability due to her chronic condition of chronic idiopathic urticura and shoulder instability. Chronic idiopathic urticura is it's high, it's hives. She gets chronic hives. So red itching skin and the welts like tend to last for I think they have to be, they have to be there for six weeks or longer in order to be considered chronic. And shoulder instability. So again, like I would think that Considering hives has the, has the name chronic idiopathic urticura, you'd think there'd be a more technical term than shoulder instability. Which tells me there's some bullshit in that. 
As a result of the plaintiff's diagnosis, she was allowed an accommodation in the defendant's dress code from June 2018 until January 2020. Okay, that entire time is when Andy, Andy Bashir was in the office. Andrew Cameron took over in December of 2019, and a month later, <clears throat> this plaintiff's accommodation to the, to the dress code was removed. And again, just because you have it, it's like, I need to know more details. I mean, were you wearing like skimpy ass dresses in there because you were saying you were getting hives on your butt cheek and so you were literally exposing your butt every day at work? I mean, I have psoriasis. I know, I mean, I know what it's like. How, how those things, they can, it can be embarrassing. <laughs> on or about mid-January 2020, the plaintiff was told by her supervisor that she could no longer dress consistently with her accommodation. I'm going to go ahead and say this right now and get us out of the way. I just really don't like this system of like we make a law. Okay, so we make a law that we supposedly believe in. And then we literally spend the next 20 years carving out exceptions that, that make it to where there's no point in having the law anyways. Because it just breeds like resentment amongst employees and the people that aren't getting exceptions because they see you every day and, and think like you don't need the damn exception as a result of the defendant's decision he the plaintiff suffered physical pain and embarrassment and humiliation again i have psoriasis and i get it on my eyelid and it looks it looks gross and i get it on my side of my face and just getting some other areas that weren't like people couldn't see all the time but like yeah, it, I mean, it definitely hurts. And wearing clothes, you know, and clothes rubbing on it definitely makes it, can make it worse. But again, I mean, I would have never expected a a boss to like, I mean, if I, if I, if I had a sales job, if I've always, most of I had a sales job. If I were to go to my boss and say, hey, I can't talk on the phone because it rubs my psoriasis raw on, because I get it right on my, uh, beard line um, in both, brought by both ears and sometimes in my ear I can't talk on the phone so I need an exception he would, they would have looked at me and said oh, well, what the hell are you going to do That's your, your job is to get on the phone and call people and sell stuff but technically there, should, there may have to be an exception made there for something that that employer couldn't, is, isn't legally allowed to even inquire about prior to hiring you you can't ask about disabilities you may be able to say, are you able to perform the job duties? But again, like you, if you, if the person says yes, you can't keep digging. The defendant began a practice that management would allow male employees of the defendant to leave early with pay. The defendant did not allow the plaintiff to leave the office in similar manner as her male co-employees until she questioned why male employees were allowed to leave early. Okay, did you have the same jobs? Was your primary job requirement to be in the office answering inbound phone calls while the other people's, their primary job was to be out in the field conducting interviews? And stuff? I mean, there's just a whole lot more that needs to be answered in that. In the period between January 2021 and August 2021, the office staff worked from home due to COVID restrictions. I can already see what this is coming to. On or about August 4th, 2021, the plaintiff was pressured by her supervisor, Greg Wolf, to return to the office to work. On or about August 28th, the plaintiff was questioned by her supervisor, Wolf, about whether she was on medication for mental issues. So let's get back to the COVID thing here. So again, Democrat in office, Republican taking office. Democrats, if it was up to them, school would still be closed for COVID. We, they, people have never gotten back in the office. But the truth is, like, some things have to be done in person. You're not fulfilling your job requirement. You can't fulfill them adequately if you're not in person in some instances. And again, you have no right to that job or that money. It's, it's, tax, it's a taxpayer-funded position. So you're actually employed by your neighbors. But because she saw other Democrat-leaning institutions, let's look at the, like I said, Office of Unemployment Insurance. Like they were, nobody wanted to come to work. We were trying to get kids back in schools. Teachers didn't want to go back to work. 
So she was questioned by her, by her supervisor, Wolf, about whether she was on medication for mental health, for a mental health issue. The plaintiff's supervisor then questioned the plaintiff, provide proof of, from her physician that she could perform her job duties on medication. Okay, so that's part of the complaint. Again, more information is needed. Were employees aware that certain types of medication needed to be disclosed due to the possibility of it impairing their ability to perform the job duties? I mean, were you on Xanax constantly that was making you, like, loopy and you couldn't keep your train of thought? Were you taking... I don't know. I mean, I got Tourette's. So I, I mean, I was on nerve stuff all, all growing up. Orp and all kinds of crazy stuff that made me, I would just, it would just zone me out. I wouldn't, because like I wouldn't know anything. I just, be, I just felt lazy all the time. The plaintiff was also a victim of being singled out in the terms and conditions of her employment. The plaintiff was not, was not included in a cyber crimes video. Boo freaking who. Oh my goodness. They made, a, they made an, empl an employer video and you wasn't included in it. The plaintiff received a poor evaluation from her supervisor in July 2021. That's part of a complaint that your employer gave you an evaluation and because you were literally trying to do everything possible not to come to work you, and you weren't doing the work, you got a poor evaluation and you're pissed? Plaintiff, the plaintiff was denied an opportunity for sick leave sharing. I don't really know what that is. I guess somebody may be giving them some of their sick days. <clears throat> the plaintiff was not allowed to use her lunch hour for medical appointments. However, male employees were allowed to use their lunch hour for medical appointments. Couple questions. Was this a one-time thing where an exception was made? Where the male was like, hey, I got a doctor's appointment. Can I do this? I just want to eat today. <laughs> or were they allowed to do it every single day? Like It sounds like you know, again, if you're having mental health appointments, she may have been trying to go to the shrink every day for a month straight. Okay? And, like, let's not forget this. Your lunch break is your lunch break. If you're not eating on it and you're going to the doctor, you have a biological necessity of ingesting a certain amount of calories to get through a day. And so if you go to the doctor five days in a row, you can't go five days all day without eating. So were you trying to go to there, get, use that for your lunch hour and then still trying to eat on the job instead of doing your work when you got back? Don't act like that's crazy because that happens all the time. I, I've even seen it in my own life, in my own experience on the job. <laughs> on July 15th, the plaintiff was berated by her supervisor. On or about July 15th, the plaintiff was removed from working on case files and was only assigned administrative duties. But again, nothing about pay reduction. On or about July 18th, the plaintiff was informed by Ed Price that her undercover machine was being removed from her use. Oh my goodness, and the, the, the plaintiff later found that her undercover machine was being given to a new male employee. Again, like, how many females were applying for the jobs? Were there? I mean, we don't know. There might not have been any. I mean, we could be filing discrimination things on construction companies all the time because ain't no women trying to be construction workers. <laughs> on or about July 15th, the plaintiff's office was moved and assigned to the male employee. So they gave the office to the male, to the person that was going to actually be performing the job duties that she needed to be doing, but they couldn't fire her for whatever reason. <laughs> the plaintiff was moved to an office upstairs from other detectives. Listen to this. The room was... Without a window, even though an office window was available. You don't have the right to a damn office, certain office you want, woman. On August 12, 2021, the defendant personnel cabinet sent an email saying the cabinet would accommodate an, an, an employee with a disability by, by, for, by, by telecommuting. It didn't say any employee with any disability. An employee with a disability. It was basically a mass email going out saying that they could su submit a form asking for an exception. Plaintiff submitted this request for the telecommunic telecommunication accommodation to Galen Linville Human Resources. On August 19th, the plaintiff's request for an accommodation was denied. On August 26, 2021, Ed Price removed the plaintiff's badge and gun and told the plaintiff that her police powers were suspended. At the time of the plaintiff's complaint, she is still on suspension. 
there's a lot more to this story. It's hard to get rid of a cop, especially someone who's been in the State Department for this long. The left is literally screaming about how hard it is to get rid of police all the time. So it's either hard or it ain't. They're either lying or they're not. What I see here is a, I mean, this is the timeline I see. In office, when Bashir, whenever Bashir's in there and the Democrat, the nice guys are in office, they're, she's there for two years, loves it, she can do whatever the hell she wants, leave when she wants, going to pick her kid up whenever she wants, eat whenever she wants, going to the doctor whenever she wants. COVID comes around, oh, yeah, we, we got to stay safe, keep everyone safe, everyone stay home, get, get vaccinated, wear a mask, it, it may save lives. Two weeks is so spread. She gets, a, she gets addicted to that. Loves being at home. Work is w- much easier. Cameron gets elected. New sheriff in town. Get your ass back to work. We got stuff. We got shit to do. I don't want to do it. I got, I got chronic hives. I have shoulder instability. I need to go to, I need to go to the, I have mental health issues. I need to go to the, to the doctor. I mean, they're just throwing pickles at the wall and seeing which one's stuck. They said, well, okay, because of all this stuff, it's basically made it impossible for us to fire her, so we're just gonna, she's going to keep making the money she's going to make. But we, the work has, still has to be done, so we're going to sign it to somebody else. She probably would have been fine with that had she not had to go to, a, to an office that didn't make her look important. Then she finds out, oh my gosh, they're going to, they may be letting us do telecommunity again. Andy Bashir's office put out a, a statement saying that we're going to allow exceptions. Yes, because they, they were mad that his office wasn't allowing them. So, executive order, I'm sure. Her, hers gets denied because she has skin hives. She gets pissed. Who knows how much subordination is going on around here at this point. They take her badge and gun, suspend her. That sounds like the chain of events to me, and it all seems logical and necessary. The plaintiff incorporates paragraphs 1 through 34 by reference and declares it is un- unlawful to discriminate in terms of conditions of employment due to employees' disability. Let's stop trying to cater to everyone. And carve out every exception under the sun. Just lay out, here's the job. Here's the duties. Here's the terms. If you can, for, if you can perform them, great. If you accept the job and we find out for any reason you cannot, you knew the terms, you knew what we needed from you, the job's got to be done. We only have X amount of dollars to spend on it. You can't do it, you're out. Plaintiff is also covered under statute because her daughter is qualified individual with a disability as defined by yada yada. Employers aren't allowed to ask you specifics about things like that prior to hiring you. So it's not fair to try to say, oh, you gave me a job, I got you, my, my kid's got a disability. If you, can't, again, if you can't perform the job duties, if you can't get to, get to, get to work, if you can't, Work outside the home whenever you knew the job required that. You don't deserve the job. As a result of the defendant intentional discriminatory conduct, the plaintiff has suffered economic harm. I saw no statements about, about her pay being, it, didn't, it doesn't say she's been suspended without pay. As well as, here, this is the whole deal, embarrassment, humiliation, and she demands compensation for it. Plaintiff incorporates, declares that it is unlawful practice to retaliate or discriminate against an employee who is attempting to exercise their rights under the chapter. The defendants, the defendants acted in concert with Price and Wolf in denying the plaintiff's reasonable accommodation while allowing other co-employees an opportunity to help commute. Again, their circumstances were most definitely different. We don't give a damn if you think it's reasonable. There are people that are on your side that are helping make those decisions. These like file the complaint, and if they're not if they're not following through, then it's it's not them. It's you. 
The defendant acted in concert to deny the plaintiff equal treatment in terms and conditions of her employment due to her disability and daughter's disability. Was she asking for her job requirements and the, what, she, what was expected of her to be lessened because of those things? If you're performing your job duties to the utmost of your potential and capacity and what's expected of you, absolutely you shouldn't be fired for those things. But if those things are getting in the way of you doing your job and what you are, what you are being tasked to do, I don't know what to tell you. It's just life. It is what it is. It takes what it takes. It's been acted in concert to deny the plaintiff equal treatment in terms and conditions of her employment due to her sex. There's absolutely no proof of that. I, nothing has shown me any proof of that. There's another statute prohibits harassment, coercion, or discrimination in any manner against an employee who files a lawful claim for workers' compensation benefits. The plaintiff filed a workers' compensation claim for a work-related shoulder injury. So, again, she went and filed this workers' compensation claim on purpose because she found out she's about to get fired, and so she, I'll, I'll go file this claim on my shoulder for my insta, instability in my shoulder, and now they want me to fire me. It's like, no, I guarantee they got documents saying she sucks at her job. As a result of the defendant's harassment, coercion, and discrimination, the plaintiff has suffered emotional harm, which demands compensation. The court found that the defendant discriminated against the plaintiff due to, due to disability. They want the court to find that the defendant discriminated against the plaintiff due to her sex, and they want the court to, to find that the defendant, by harassing, coercion, and discrimination for her workers' compensation claim. They want the court to award the plaintiff's damages for back pay, front pay, and for embarrassment and humiliation pursuant. Humiliation and embarrassment in both things we talked about today. That's the whole shebang. They're embarrassed and humiliated because the new sheriff in town doesn't bend and cave to every to every whisper, whine, exception needed. Every time your kid's sick and has a fever, like all the cries, all the cries of wolf, they're not caving to them. And now they're embarrassed because some people in the in the in the workplace has got on board and believes in the mission and the work, and there's still a small percentage that doesn't, and they're all tore up about it. When people feel shame, they respond this way, totally irrationally. It's almost impossible for someone that is ashamed and backed into a corner to admit wrongdoing in that in the moment. And this is she's certainly in the moment. And she's so they double down and end up committed to the pot, lest they end up experiencing even more shame. That's what's going on here. They are, they are grasping for straws against Daniel Cameron. They're not used to working with men and women that are focused on the job at hand. That don't really give a shit about the noise taking place. Because everybody's got shit in their lives. Everybody's kids... I got four kids. Every day I could have something pop up and make me not do something else because of my kids. Every day. They said, listen, it is what it is. It takes what it takes. So I'm not here to defend Andrew Cameron because he's my friend. He's, the, he's literally the one state politician in the Republican Party that I've literally never had interaction with. And in fact, I, I do kind of find that odd because I've interacted with almost all of them. But... These are unfair claims. And it's just, it's more indicative of a cultural divide of Republicans that are tired of this like sissy, whiny ass, complain about everything. The world is against me. Blue, liberal, Democrat mentality. And that of the Republicans, that it's just more no nonsense, get to the point, no fluff, 
I don't really care about your feelings that much. But if you're but if you're with me, I'm with you. Like that's 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 the difference here. So that's my takeaway. It's an hour of digging into both those two articles. You ain't gonna get that nowhere else. But there's definitely no sexual harass scandal in any of this. And I hope Daniel Cameron doesn't cave and he just gets up there and calls us calls a spade a spade. Thanks for listening. You can find me on all the all the social media channels. Way too much. W Y the number two M U C H J R M C. That's John Ross Mars Cox. Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, Apple Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff. I hope you all have a great weekend. It was good talking to you. See you soon.